Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, Dewey Thompson, Ray Lyon, and Brianna Larimer share their decades of experience training in workplaces across the nation and talk to other experts about what it takes to be a team player, a great manager, and a leader others want to follow. This is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace. I'm Brianna Larimer, business trainer and consultant with Missouri Training Institute. We have Ray Lyon and Dewey Thompson, the fabulous MTI team. And today we're talking about feelings. Yay, my favorite thing. I thought we were supposed to leave those emotions out of the workplace. I know. You know, there used to be a time where you were encouraged to do that. That's right. right. That's right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's nothing personal, right? You keep, right. It, keep it professional. Keep right. it professional. Right. Yeah. When we talk about feelings, it's considered usually kind of that softer skill, right? Emotional intelligence kind of being a softer skill. But we call those the power skills. Those are the things that the workplace are requiring of us now. Definitely. And and so that's why we felt this topic was important to cover. We're going to be talking really about emotional intelligence. We're going to be talking about what it is, why it's important, why we need to maybe be a little bit intentional about trying to develop it and then kind of leverage it for our own individual success and for our team's success. And so, you know, Ray, you and I are both certified in EQI 2.0, which uh, is essentially an assessment that is used to to help start kind of identifying where you're at on your emotional intelligence level. But let's take it back a little bit. What is emotional intelligence? I think emotional intelligence Intelligence is, it used to be called social skills. And I think people in my generation probably understand that. Um, So it's really how you understand your emotions, um, how you understand other people's emotions, your ability to perceive those emotions, how they're impacting a situation how you're using that emotional information to make decisions, um, not only for yourself in regulating your own behaviors, but how you're using that emotional information um, of what you're picking up from other people to have healthy and effective relationships, not only personally in your personal life, but also in your professional Mm -hmm. life. Um, So I think it's important for employees co-worker to co-worker, but I also think it's important for leaders um, to be aware of their emotional intelligence um, in order to lead better. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, the soft skills. You brought up that term earlier, Brianna, and, um, you know, I just hate that term, soft (laughs) skills. Um, These are some of the hardest earned skills I think people need to really develop, I think, to be uh, a lot, like you said, more effective leadership, more effective uh, relationships, especially in the workplace. Yeah. For me, being a learner, obviously, I'm always looking to develop. And I think some of the the things um, to consider is that IQ is pretty Set, mm-hmm. Right. Where EQ, where our emotional intelligence can be developed. And that's pretty um, encouraging. And so when we, we talk a little bit about it, overall, the importance to the success, why now are social skills so important or emotional intelligence skills so important in our teams and in our workplaces? Well, 
Honestly, I think they've always been important, but I think we chose to ignore them. Traditionally, and when I say traditionally, I mean, I'm talking 30, 40 years ago when it really was a man's world. And in that environment, um, emotions weren't part of the equation. Mm -hmm. Men could compartmentalize very easily. And it wasn't socially acceptable for men to be displaying their emotions, much less um, identifying those emotions in other people, whether they were managing or leading or working with um, female coworkers. And so as we've become more human in our work dynamics and certainly as more diverse our work dynamics have become, our work environments have become, we've had to accept more people into that social structure and I think realize how human all of us are and different generations are now in it. We've got five generations in the workplace. We've got such a diverse and such a wonderful blend of humans and we're not robots. Yeah, I guess that's what I was going to say is, um, you know, we often think it's this world of technology that work gets done through machines. And I certainly understand that. But, you know, we really get work done through other people, right? It's it's our ability to work together effectively. It's that idea of teamwork. Um, it's that idea of sometimes trying to influence a group of people um, towards maybe a new goal. But those are all people skills, right? right. Those are all those social skills that if we're really going to lead people, we got to understand people. And as much as we want to think that people are, are going to be a lot more logical in their decisions about their behaviors, I think we also have to realize that we are emotional beings. And it's that emotion, I think, that really kind of drives our decisions probably more than um, maybe if we're sitting down and looking at the pros and looking at the cons of something and, you know, mapping it all out. But um, trying to be more logical, we're, we're emotionally driven. And I think that there are probably certain consequences that come with with not being as in tune, you know, not even for other people's emotions, but even with your own, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think that's one of the kind of one of the highlights of emotional intelligence is you start looking at yourself internally, you start looking at and, and identifying your own emotions, then I'll use the word you used, right? Regulating those emotions, but then also looking at other people trying to identify their emotions um, and then use that for those interpersonal relationships. That's truly what emotional intelligence is at the heart of it, I think, that recognition and regulation. When we think about recognition, you know, let's start there because any behavior starts with self-awareness and just understanding who you are and understanding what emotion are you feeling right now. And for some people, that's going to be very easy. For some people, it's going to, you know, they're going to be able to do what I call like an audit, a self-audit. Like at any moment in time, they're going to be able to stop and just pick up whatever feeling they're having and place a name to it. You know, I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling um, contentment. I'm feeling contempt. I'm feeling whatever that is, confused, worried. They're going to be able to name that emotion. And for them, it might be very easy, right? Pause. For some people, that's going to be very difficult. They're going to think, I have an emotion, but they're not going to be able to name it. And so that's where it starts when we think about our emotional intelligence. So if that's something you struggle with, then 
right away, you know you have a little bit of work to do. And it's the easiest place to start is go out and Google emotions and find that image that has the hundred little faces on it. <laughs> and I know you're laughing, yeah. but it works. And I take this into my trainings and people love it. You know, the people that can name the emotions, they're like, ha, 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 ha. And two of my people sitting here are ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but for me, that it was difficult, it's actually, a, you know, a great little job aid. And so find that little picture that has all these faces and has all these names of emotions, because you can identify with that. You can look at that and say, there it is. That's exactly how I'm feeling right now. That word right there. And you can start naming your emotions because that is a huge strategy in doing what Brianna was just talking about. And that is becoming better in emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. right? But it starts with self-awareness. And then the next one is moving that recognition outward, being able to look at the person across the table from you um, and being able to look at their face, their expressions, what, read their body language, listen to the tone of voice and begin to perceive in them what's happening or understanding the context of the conversation that this person just received a promotion. But not only did they you know, receive a promotion, but they've just told you that they're getting ready to have a baby and buy a new house. So, wow, they've got three things on their plate right now. What might those emotions be that this person could be feeling? And so now you have to be perceiving all of those emotions. So again, what are you recognizing in that other person? That's part of understanding emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And it starts with you. I mean, it absolutely does. And so I appreciate that that idea. And I, I, yeah, I do chuckle because I right. actually got one of those when I started college. They, they give it to you in your packet pickup stuff uh, when you're a freshman in college. And I remember just putting it on my, my refrigerator door and I don't think I ever like looked at it again. And, and that's so enlightening now as an adult to think back to what they were trying to help me with at that time, you know? And I certainly, I think that we have to be able to look at ourselves first, to be able to look outward to others, to see, um, identify specifically how we feel, but then to also be able to pick up those, those pieces. And you only do that by being able to understand emotions. So you all talked about and really identified the idea of recognition, right? Recognizing your own emotions as well as somebody else, what you perceive to be right. them experiencing. So what? The, tell me more about the regulation. You know, you've talked about the recognition side of right. it. So what's the regulation side of it? Yeah, I think when we talk about regulation, the regulation piece, again, starts internally first, being able to now first identify what emotions you're feeling and then being able to think about and to regulate the way in which you experience express those emotions. Um, you know, and, and so it's all too, too often that we get comfortable with our emotion. We're frustrated. Okay, I've identified I'm frustrated. But we don't think about how that comes off when you're having that conversation with a colleague. And so when we think about it, we have to be able to now regulate our reaction based off of that emotion. You know, one of the things that I talk about is minding the gap. And so you've recognized that emotion. And let me say this. Every single emotion that you have, you're entitled to have. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely okay to feel your feels. <laughs> 
feel your feelings. You are perfectly right in feeling anything and any way you want to feel. Those are yours. When we talk about that expression of emotion, know this, not every behavior Mm -hmm. that you might outwardly express related to that feeling, however, is socially acceptable. So that's where we have to mind the gap. Let me, let me give you an example of that. So I'll, I'll take Brianna's example. She said, I'm feeling frustrated, right? So she identifies that she is frustrated. She's sitting in a conference room with, you know, 15 coworkers. And she's feeling frustrated because of something that's going on. She recognizes I'm frustrated. And she picks that notebook up that's sitting in front of her and out of frustration, she throws it across the room, (laughs) stands up, walks out in utter frustration because that's how she's feeling. And she just takes that action, that behavior out of that frustration. All right. Well, frustration, absolutely fine. Getting up and throwing a notebook across the room and storming out not so fine. So when you're thinking about emotional intelligence, I'd probably say that's acting on the lower end Mm. of emotional intelligence, something we might expect from a immature person. So you've got to mind the gap. And the flip side of that, she's going to say, oh, I'm feeling frustration. Is now the time to throw a notebook? Probably (laughs) not. (laughs) Right. So in the minding of the gap, she's like, you know, what do I say? Do I say anything? Do I t- give myself a timeout? Right. You think of all of the alternative behaviors that might be more appropriate in the moment. Right. You have to be careful, too, because sometimes what will happen when you're when you're doing that, when you're sitting and thinking about that feeling and you're thinking about what your options are as far as expressing that feeling, we have to be cognizant of the story that we're, we're kind of telling ourselves that may be uh, perpetual that feeling. Say you're in that, I'm in that meeting, right? And and, and it's full of, of folks and there's somebody who's throwing an idea out there, but the, the person that always throws ideas out there, but doesn't pick up the pieces and doesn't really run with those ideas. And so that's what's causing me frustration. And I have all of these personal thoughts or stories I'm saying about that individual person. That then will play a role into how I decide to either express those emotions or just, just react. Um, and it, it could lead to some negative behaviors, I think, um, when we're thinking about the stories that we're telling ourselves. That's the whole basis of emotional intelligence is to be able to maintain and enhance interpersonal relationships through these skills. And so what would happen? Uh, What would the perception be of me and my professionalism if I threw that notebook across the room and stormed out? How does it affect those relationships with those colleagues? Right. Um, so there's certainly it all kind of ties together uh, between the the recognition and the regulation, both interper- both personal, both self-awareness and then with others. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, in saying that it's OK to feel your feels, it's not OK to enact every behavior that you might have. But I want to carry that story forward and show you how you can actually feel those feelings and express that emotion in an appropriate way. I think it would be fine to say, you know what? 
that that frustrates me a little bit. You know, we we continue to have these really great ideas, but we never carry them forward. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be an absolutely appropriate way for her to have expressed that emotion related to what it is that's frustrating her. And she just gave me the narrative. Right. And so instead of throwing the notebook and storming out and people creating their own narrative, Mm -hmm. she she knew where that emotion was coming from. And that's part of the recognition, Mm -hmm. tying it back to what is causing this feeling and how can I express my frustration or my emotion tied to that feeling. And so you can express your emotion verbally tied back to what's causing it. And I can communicate it in a rational, grown up manner without throwing a temper tantrum. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But know this. Your feelings are yours. Nobody causes you to feel any way because you are choosing that emotion. Because was anybody else sitting around the table about ready to throw a notebook and storm out? I mean, maybe, but maybe not. So the exact same things were happening in the room, but not everybody was feeling the same way. So that was a feeling you chose. Right. So I always say your response is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. So once you start labeling the emotion and then say, oh, okay, wh- why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? What has happened that's caused that? Mm-hmm. Um, and start looking at those things and then trying to create um, or, or look for trends or patterns. Is it always related back to my roommate? Is it my room? You know, is it the untidiness of my roommate that's always started this frustration? I'd also look for then what's what behaviorally causes me to do. Do I withdraw? Do I lash out? You know, am I in what what's my fight or flight pattern? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would look for those types of things as well. And then I'd start trying to decide in my own head, what will I do when I feel that way? Mm -hmm. Right. So start giving yourself your strategy for what you're going to do. So when I feel frustrated because of my untidy roommate, this is what I'm going to do. Right. And just give yourself an action plan. I think it's important. I like that you you said being able to kind of track it back because we could be in situations where, using the example you did, you were frustrated, but had nothing to do with what was going on in that meeting, maybe there was frustration because you'd had a fight with, you know, with your roommate earlier that morning. Um, You know, and and we have to be cognizant of kind of how we, again, how we express those emotions, but is it the right circumstance to be expressing those emotions? So instead of just saying, I'm frustrated at that meeting when it had nothing to do with that meeting, you might want to track it back and go and have a conversation with the roommate later on. Right. Um, You know, so just being cognizant of, of matching the emotions with what you're actually feeling, but then matching it to the situation as well. Right. And I think, you know, an emotionally intelligent person is going to be able to compartmentalize and know, you know what, my roommate is really frustrating me, but I've got to set that aside because I've got to go into a meeting with my coworkers and my mood is going to impact the tone of the meeting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, do we, have you ever gone into a meeting, you know, 
And the people around you just like drag the whole meeting down, like just have sucked all the oxygen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so as leaders, you know, again, it's really, really important to be able to do exactly what you're telling us to do, right? Recognize the emotions, recognize where they might be coming from, but being more deliberate in your choice about your behavior, you know, knowing maybe it's time to set that aside, right? And then maybe approach this situation or this, these people in a different way. I'm, I'm curious, you know, Dewey, you've taken the, our EQI assessment as well. And so how, how do you find yourself now as the leader of our department using the information that you gained from that assessment? How, how do you? Well, I certainly, I think I, I, I've tried to start with myself, right? So, you know, the results that I got from the assessment certainly gave me some areas to look at, um, to maybe take a little bit more time in how I'm going to uh, maybe move our team forward, you know, or to communicate something that might be difficult or uh, things like that. Um, But I also learned a lot, and this is what was so helpful, I think. Not only did I learn a lot about myself, um, but for us sitting around and sharing our results, Mm -hmm. um, I learned a lot about you too, right? And so that was great information to set and discuss um, because we all showed up in many different ways on that assessment results, right? Mm -hmm. I think we all complement one another. What I might be really low in, somebody else can pick up and those kinds of things. Certainly is a useful tool. Um, and, and again, there are several out there. You know, Ray and I, as we mentioned, we're, we're certified in EQI 2.0. Uh, it looks at five different composite areas um, and then 15 different subscales of those composite areas. So it's a very thorough report. Uh, and it's certainly it's a good starting place. If, if this is something that you're interested in diving into, we would love love to help you with it. But overall, start with recognition and regulation. I mean, those have to be the big elements that that is what EI is about. Yeah. You know, when I worked with college students um, in the College of Business here on the university campus and talking about what is it, you know, I used to say, you know, emotional intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but really knowing enough not to put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's Gross. there's one thing to no- have the knowledge, yeah. right? But you've got to make good choices with that knowledge mm-hmm. and really understand your impact on others. You know, we're emotional beings. I think, Dewey, is what you said earlier. Yeah. And just recognizing that everything we do, everything that we say has an impact. Mm-hmm. And just watching what we do, Um, even though, you know, age helps. Thank goodness. Finally, there's some benefit to getting older (laughs) on this planet. You're here, Ray. You know, but got to look up. I think it is interesting, though, and that you bring that up, because I, I thinking back, I mentioned earlier, they give us that little card right when I was a freshman in college to identify emotions. I don't know if at that time I really recognized the importance or the interdependence that I had to have as I moved out of college, because it was in some cases very competitive in some ways. You're fighting for scholarships or you're fighting, you know, and so I don't know if those are skills that you walk out with. And so I love that we're doing the topic on this, understanding. That, that we are, again, um, interdependent creatures and that this emotional intelligence, this is moving. This is what workplaces are looking for moving forward. This is what leaders are getting promoted for now. It's not necessarily just for the technical skills anymore. Absolutely. I mean, we can we can teach you the tasks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And and this is a little bit tougher. But know this. I mean, anything when overused can be mm. just as dysfunctional as anything when underused. Now, explain that to me a little bit more, Ray. What do you mean by that? Well, I don't know. You know, I you know, you look at the numbers. I mean, there's always a score that goes beh- beside these subscales and of course these composites. But, you know, I'll I'll just give my example. Empathy is one of the subscales that's measured. And um, it didn't surprise me that my empathy score was out or was lower than the normal range, um, like significantly. And that didn't surprise me. And I know as I look at you too, it doesn't surprise either one of you. And so that's one of the areas that I strive to work on and become more intentional. And so you think, well, of course, you know, if you're low in empathy, you want to work to have more empathy. And I look across my table and I see Dewey and Dewey had a high empathy, right? He was outside the normal range on the high end of empathy. And so I'm going to ask you, what does that mean for you? Oh, my gosh. Sometimes it causes me to get stuck. Right. It because um, I, I hear what you're saying. I overuse that once in a while and it causes me to get stuck where I'm at and from not only knowing where I'm going. Right. Because I kind of wallow in it. You know, I, I, I'm I'm the underdog keeper, you know, keeper <laughs> of all underdogs. And, oh, I'm sorry that this has happened to you, you know, and I'm so busy empathizing that I forget, you know, gosh, which direction do we need to go? You know, how do we overcome this? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we talk about overuse and Dewey gave his example there and then talk about underuse, my example. And so earlier in this program, he talked about, you know, how do we leverage each other's skills? And so as co-leadership, you know, leadership, not mm-hmm. co-leadership, but as leaders in this yeah. organization, um, we balance each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times when I go to him and I give him a little kick and say, we need to do this, you know, and he's like, oh, but, you know, and he and I was like, no, <laughs> no, we need to do this. And so we we leverage that with one another. And then there are times and Brianna is also high in empathy where I'm like, OK, read this. Am I being too hard, you know, and they'll they'll soften my words and, you know, help me massage it a little bit. But, you know, we we help one another. And it's not that you always have to work on a high score or you always have to work on a low score. My question would be to you as a, as a coach, you know, is it hindering you? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it hindering you? Because sometimes in the work that you do, you might need it to be that high. I have a very high independent score, but in the normal world, I'm on the road three to four days a week Mm -hmm. by myself in different businesses, in hotels every night. I'm alone. I eat alone. I, you know, I'm alone. High independence score is really helping me. I don't want to work on that. Mm -hmm. Right. I need it where it is. So. I leave it alone, you know, but if I worked on a team of 20 or 30 creatives every single day, I would probably have to monitor that way more, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you do take an assessment and if you find that your scores are higher or lower than a normal range, don't freak out until you realize, is it helping or hindering? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because you might need it exactly where it is. 
Right. And one of the things that I really valued, I think, about about the assessment we provide to, or even when you start looking at any assessment, when you start looking at this, you know, EI, yes, can be developed, but at the same time, look at what you're already really good at and maybe match it to some of the skills that you, um, or the responsibilities you have within your own workplace. You, you know, I, I, I really think that it's not always about necessarily improving yeah, very as point. much as, as it would be really leveraging what you are good at and being aware of the things that maybe you're not so very good, good point. Very good point. Yeah, and I, I certainly, I, I know, <laughs> I think about my lack of flexibility, and flexibility is on one of our subscales on our assessment. Um, but I've been pushed in different areas over the last year to work on that. So you might find yourself in situations where you have to work in those areas. But devoting so much intentionality to improving certain subscales or composite areas or whatever it may look like on your assessment that you take, that can be exhausting. It can be exhausting when you're talking about emotional intelligence. So be aware of them. And then you're absolutely right. Think about, is this really hindering me in what I'm currently doing or is it okay? Mm -hmm. And get help from friends. You know, when obviously empathy was my number one um, subscale that I was going to work on, because I think as a leader, it's absolutely unacceptable (laughs) not to display that as a priority. And it became a priority years ago, though. It wasn't I didn't have to take the assessment to know I I had low empathy. Um, My daughter has been telling me that for 32 years. (laughs) So uh, but, you know, and she was the one I went to right? Um, and said, OK, what what does this look like? And Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown. I mean, I listen to a lot of her and read a lot of her um, and, and am a student of her. So, you know, she's my accountability partner because I see and talk to my daughter a lot. But, um, you know, that's another way to help when you talk about strategies for developing your emotional intelligence. Now, will it ever be in the in the normal range? No. It's it's too low. I could probably uh, affect it maybe three to five points, but I can't raise it 30. And that's what I'd have to do. But I think that that's okay, And it works. I think it works for you and works for our team. Yeah. It's due to the awareness. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you out there um, listening to us again. If you're interested in that, we talked about the EQI assessment, please feel free to reach out to us. I want to encourage you on this emotional intelligence journey that you may be on. This is a big topic. It's big. And we don't expect you to have it all figured out in this thir- this 30 minute podcast. But we're here for you. If you have any questions, comments, um, we'd love to hear from you. MTI at Missouri dot edu. Uh, I hope that you all have a great rest of your day and go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu.